0: Welcome to Circus Voices, brought to you by CircusTalk.com, the leading online career and casting marketplace for circus and the performing arts, and an essential resource for circus and multidisciplinary artists and talent seekers. I'm your host, Thomas Chambers, and welcome to A Creative Space, NFTs, Web3, and the performing arts. Join us as we learn more about this new technology and its potential influence on the performing arts. As we get into the second episode of our series, I am proud to introduce Mr. Ironman, Jean-Luc <laughs> Pellerin of Web3 Montreal. Jean, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Thomas.
0: How was uh, the Ironman competition, man?
1: That was a hell of an experience. Uh, it's it's much more mental than physical. Uh, you, you can train all you want, but if, if your head's not in it, you're not getting across that finish line. And uh I, I I wasn't worried much about the mental, but at one point it happened where my mind slipped and I was start thinking dark thoughts and telling myself, oh, I don't need to finish this. I I did good so far, I can stop now and be happy and, and I'm like, No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, positive thoughts. Let's go, we're gonna finish this. Go, 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 go. And then uh, after that I Went back into the positive uh, mind space, but yeah, uh, being in that headspace where like you're only thinking negative thoughts is, is very dangerous and scary. And I'm glad I was able to push through it.
0: That's crazy. Well, congratulations. That's uh, an insane run. Um, I can't even imagine doing it. So, applaud to you. Thank you. Thank you. As we get into this, just uh, for our audience, maybe you can give a little bit of background of yourself. Who is Jean Luc? What's your story, and what kind of led you into the Web three world?
1: Yeah, uh, so when I was about twenty one or twenty two, so this is six or seven years ago, um, I was uh, sort of diving into the whole financial landscape. I had just discovered what a TFSA was, and uh, I was a bit bummed that I hadn't heard about it before. Uh, for those who don't know or aren't from Canada, TFSA is the tax free savings account that you can Uh, basically trade uh, stocks within and not pay any capital gains tax. So it's pretty fun, Uh, (laughs) a very nice investment vehicle for uh, us Canadians. Um, So I was starting to trade in that. Uh, I was also uh, just recently nominated as the the VP finance of the student body of the university I was uh, attending at the time. So I was very much into uh, the financial world. And while being in this headspace, um, my friend Yannick uh, told me about a book called The Business Blockchain. Uh, He said, you have to read this. It's really going to change your mind about cryptocurrencies and blockchain. And for me, before reading this book, cryptocurrencies were just make-believe money uh, to buy drugs on the Internet. You know, I I just had this really bad preconception about what was to become my <laughs> my uh, lifelong uh, journey after that so after reading this book i put it down i emptied out my tfsa and went all in on ethereum which was a bit reckless of me but mind you i was about 22 at this point and yeah uh, it was pretty good uh, i was able to navigate the uh, mostly ethereum ecosystem uh, participated in a bunch of ICOs, uh, and yeah, just reinvested and kept reinvesting within the Ethereum uh, space. And after that, we started the fund. Me and a few of my friends uh, pulled some capital together, uh, reinvested some more, and yeah, I was bitten by the bug, if you if you can say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, I'm with you. I had a very similar experience. You know, I'm the first one to say that I was a huge skeptic going into this kind of technology and really thought it was fake money. You know, the validity factor was a little too intense for me. And uh, I wasn't interested in investing all my money into uh, a stock of of that kind. But it's true that, you know, there's so many doors that can open with this kind of technology. And uh, you've actually made it um, a career of yours now. You are opening your own company, Web3 Montreal. And what exactly does Web3 Montreal do? What do you do as an organization?
1: Yeah, so Web3 Montreal was uh, founded back in April of this year uh, in order to be the epicenter of the Web3 community within Montreal. Uh, so back in March of this year, I had just left a project I was working on with my cousin and uh, I had given myself the month of March to just I lay back, relax, and go back to what I wanted to to be focusing on, which was Web3, which I wasn't doing at the time. Um, and I told myself the first mission that I'm giving myself for the month of March is to infiltrate the Web3 community in Montreal and figure out who's who, who's doing what, and just do like a, a global research of what's happening in the Web3 space in Montreal. And it took about 48 hours to realize that there wasn't a centralized community. Uh, there, there wasn't a, a space where a lot of us were talking. There were a bunch of companies in Montreal that were working in Web three. I could name ten off the top of my head, uh, just like that, that are working on wonderful projects. Um, but they weren't necessarily talking to each other in a common space. Uh, so as soon as I figured that out, and I was telling myself, "Oh, whoa, Montreal is, is really lagging behind here." I mean, there's there's Web three communities all across the world. Uh, we have a bunch of people from Montreal going to New York, Miami, Toronto, uh, Paris, all across the world to these events, and then they're coming back to Montreal and they're not talking to each other. So we decided. A bunch of us in the community. Because eventually, I was able to find a Telegram group chat that had about 20 people in it at the time when I joined. And they were talking about organizing a get together. So, of course, being a, a project manager and a natural born organizer, I was like, hey, I want to help. I love organizing stuff. So, yeah, we organized the first uh lunch at uh, the time out market here in Montreal. It was about 20 something of us. And that was like the first time I had the sort of jitters of, like, meeting people in the local community, like, especially after two years of COVID, it was, like, the first time, like, meeting people, like, new people and, like, connecting and uh, like, listening to what people were working on. Uh, uh, I was sold. I was like, oh, I want to be doing more of this. Uh, so the next event was about two weeks after the supper. Uh, we did that at the Nomad space. It's, it's a co-working space in Montreal. And that one had 100 people. Uh, so they were like, okay, well, there's clearly a need for this. <laughs> so I think we're going to start something around this. And that's when uh, myself and four other co-founders uh, decided to create Web3Montreal as a nonprofit, with which we can uh, make and create more of these events. Uh, initially, we were focused more on networking events just to like bring the community together. And now we're working on educational events to grow the community as well and offer services to anybody who needs them, uh, major corporations, smaller corporations, people who just want to know about Web3, uh, we have a bunch of free uh, educational events coming up. Uh, we've held one already with an organization called Le Wagon, uh, which is the uh, programming and web development boot camp here in Montreal, great organization to, in order to sort of the career switch. And yeah, the, this second uh, large event that we held was at the Seven Fingers. Uh, that's where we met. It was at the Chainlink event. That one had 200 people. So that was a very interesting one that brought the community together. And and what, like, we're, mind you, we're not making a penny out of these events. Like, they're just getting sponsored by experience sponsors. It's covering the costs sometimes. <laughs> had to pay out of pocket a few times, but um, I mean, it's worth it. We were able to get the community together. We were able to, to to make people happy, and I, I was getting so much good feedback. Just people saying thank you, thank you, thank you, and that for me is worth more than a paycheck. Like just having people come up to you and thanking you for for your service. I I felt like a <laughs> like a military member in the United States. Like oh, thank you for your service. I was like, I don't deserve this praise. <laughs> I'm just doing something I like. But yeah, I, I, I really, really, really like that. And, and then we did more events. We did the, the last big event had about 150 people at the Zero X Society, which is the first NFT museum in Canada, uh, NFT gallery in Canada. And yeah, we we did a few uh, Sankasset asset uh, gatherings uh, here and there since then. And now we're working on our next big event, hopefully for the end of September. And through uh, my implication with Web3 Montreal, I was able to meet some, some very uh, interesting people that just recently hired me to work on uh, the largest Web3 conference uh, that will be held in May of next year here in Montreal. We're expecting about 3000 people. We're working on this huge conference uh, that's going to bring the whole community, uh, the, the local community, the broader Canadian community, and the international community uh, bearing on Montreal and uh, uh, setting uh, Montreal up as an international web3 hub.
0: Uh, that's amazing, man. It's really cool to see how inspired you are and how motivated you are to to bring this technology to, to the world and to Montreal specifically. Um, it's interesting though because you're, you're really, it's really changed your life, right? The way that you operate, the way that you want to do things uh, and what you want to influence in the world, right? And it, you want to include people, you want them to learn, you want them to gain. But my, my question is, is like, what makes Web3 more inclusive and innovative than like this already open digital world that we live in? You know, it feels that everything is at like the reach of our fingertips on like the internet as it stands today. What makes this different?
1: I think it's it's sort of within the DNA of Web3, if you will. Uh, like the, the first uh, blockchains that were created uh, were created as a sort of way to have people break out of their status quo. Uh, it was meant to be a sort of destabilizing technology. And with destabilization, brings revolution brings more equality, usually uh, and that was sort of one of the ways that it was supposed to change the world. I was supposed to bring equilibrium and bring uh, more people within the same level of uh, growth within their lives. This mind you is very philosophical. In essence, uh, the people who created this just wanted a decentralized distributed ledger in order to keep track of <laughs> many transactions. but. This technology has had a profound effect on, on many aspects of the industry. Uh, and that, that's what I understood through reading the book, *The Business Blockchain*. It, it, within that book, he was able to paint an interesting picture of all the different industries that would be that, that, that would have a paradigm shift within them with the use and implementation of uh, blockchain. And within the recent years, and why? recently uh like let's say in my crypto career if you will because <laughs> mind you i started investing about six seven years ago but i've only started like contributing like on the daily uh, as of say march of this year uh, and like actually wanting to be active within the community because i i sort of fell in love with the ethos behind the term wag me uh wag me is a term that was spreading on twitter at the time and uh, is still used pretty much today it means we're all gonna make it and at the beginning uh uh, like the the first few times i read it i was like it's just another uh, twitter uh, banter just another term that's being thrown around but at some point I, i started analyzing it and i was like well wait this is really what it means to be in the space it's really what we want like i actually do want everybody to make it and i actually do want to educate people and bring people into the space and it's what i've been doing for a long time without really realizing it every every time somebody asks me about blockchain or web 3 like i could talk about it for hours and i love talking about it and i love teaching and i love bringing people into the space and having people create their first wallet and having people do their first trade and uh, buying the first NFT, uh, I love it, and and once I understood that, well, I I bought the license plate, <laughs> uh, so I have the Quebec license plate uh, written rag, "Wag me," and I made a T-shirt with it, and I'm finding an NFT project around that, and yeah, I, I just really fell in love with the term, and it, it really represents my role within. Uh, that community and that ecosystem that I really do want people to make it. And in order for everybody to make it, in order for all of us to make it, well, we all need to be at the same level within the playing field. Like we need to bring more people to our level of understanding of this technology. And that only goes through education.
0: I love it. So with Wagme and like, we're all going to make it, I feel like it's a really noble mission that you're on. But what are some of the common misconceptions and negative approaches towards Web3 and NFTs that like say newcomers should know coming into this space? Cause your mindset I feel is what we should all have. But like you said, like with a Twitter, Twitter banter, there's so many, there's so much fluff out there, right? That you can get distracted by what like what's important about this technology, right?
1: So I'm I'm very naive. <laughs> I I always see the glass half full, and I'm I'm always more on the positive side. And I think it's one of the reasons I was able to go through an Ironman without much training, just because I'm I'm very naive. <laughs> so I, I always have a, a a positive spin on things. I always see things in a positive light, and I think that's why it's it's easy for me to have that that sort of noble mission and. But unfortunately, it's not the, the majority of the people in the space. Like when, when I was th- first started looking more into NFTs and, and looking at different NFT projects, I was seeing so many scams, like, like a ridiculous amount of scams. And and it, it just goes to show that there's a lot, like for every person that actually believes in Wagyu and that actually believes in wanting everybody to make it and helping everybody uh, Get to a space where they can actually make it on their own. There are probably ten people that have the reverse mission that just want to scam as many people as possible and don't really care about the infrastructure, the the industry, or the Web three in general. They just want to make a quick buck and scam people, and that's that's really dangerous and it's really been hindering the the process of adoption. Like a lot of people, like for for every person that gets scammed, they then infect like mentally infect the people around them by telling them oh it's a scam i lost money on it it's a scam like you shouldn't even touch it so some people aren't even touching crypto because someone around them got scammed and that that disease has spreaded to (laughs) to higher levels like i know people who tried to start a a crypto or blockchain related business and just because they had the word blockchain or crypto in the organization they couldn't even open a bank account like even the bank accounts are scared of these words that's why I think Web three is sort of our our saving grace as an industry. Uh, I think it's a it's a term that hasn't been uh, sullied yet, and we it's important that we, we all rally behind uh, this term. Because initially, when when I started about six or seven years ago, we were talking about blockchain, cryptocurrencies, uh, starting to talk about NFTs, uh, talking about DeFi, talking about DAOs, talking about all these different things, and it, it was sort of hard for people to understand. It was. Uh, it's like, well, where do I start? What do I start looking at? There's so many things and I'm already lost. I don't even know what I'm doing as to where, when you're talking about web three in general, I find it a more inclusive term that sort of sums up that whole, uh, baggage of of uh, blockchains, cryptocurrencies, defi, DAOs, uh, the metaverse. Yeah. So, so even the term web three, I find it is more, uh, rassembleur, uh, say in French inclusive.
0: Definitely, definitely, you know, and it's, it's, there's a bit of a stigma around uh, the terms blockchain or Web3 or NFTs. And it is hard to, you know, to decipher what is good about it, what's bad about it, what's fake about it, what's true about it, you know, because it's constantly changing. We meant we, we touched on that on the last episode, about how, you know, it's an hourly change. You know, I, I see like, 10 to 15 articles of new new takes on what, where the direction is going with Web3, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to, to keep up to date. So let's back it up for a second. Last episode, we learned a lot about what exactly Web3 is, what the blockchain is. And on the blockchain, it holds a certain amount of transactions. And it's a decentralized system that, that everyone can see it. There's a bun- bunch of transparency, you know, and you can understand where everything is going and where everything is being settled. Then within the blockchain, you can make NFTs, which are a digital asset, a unique digital asset that cannot be replicated. That's non fungible token. But you mentioned a couple other terms that maybe we should touch on: a DAO and the DeFi. What exactly are those, and how can those be super important for the future of this technology?
1: Sure. So DeFi in itself means decentralized finance, and in and of itself, it has a, a large philosophical implication. Uh, historically, the financial system has been very much centralized. We can think of the central bank, uh, governments uh, holding bonds. Like It's these large mega organizations that control the the flow of currency and the, the value of currency. And basic human that has no say or control or power over this, this system. But... A system that you can't change is inherently flawed. Things are supposed to evolve with time. And this this latest financial system, yes, it might have gotten faster with the uh, credit cards and e-transfers and the use of the internet and all that, but it's still basically the thing. Uh, as what we were using with the basic currencies back in uh, the time before Jesus Christ. Uh, it just got faster, but the the underlying concepts are relatively the same. What happens with DeFi is that we decentralize the whole ecosystem. Uh, We give more power to smaller players, and that puts uh, more power into the game changers, the technology innovators. And the fastest innovators and the biggest innovators are the winners in the space. And the secondary winners by default are the the common human. people are benefiting largely through these uh new ways of trading these new ways of interacting these new ways of earning it's opened up a, a plethora of tools and ways of doing things and uh specifically within the blockchain but also within uh, the the traditional financial world defi is also working on ways to change the, the traditional uh world so it's it's a very big uh, subcategory within Web3. I had the pleasure of using many different uh, platforms uh, to help uh, understand and better uh, transact within uh, the, the crypto space using these DeFi platforms. And uh, there, there are a bunch coming up uh, that will change the the ways that we transact. Yeah, there, there's. Uh, it's a very, very interesting uh, subcategory. I'm, I'm by far no expert within the the DeFi realm. I'm more of a generalist when it comes to Web3. Like, I, I know a lot about the different subcategories, uh, but uh, unfortunately, not a, a DeFi expert. And then, when it comes to DAOs, uh, meaning decentralized autonomous organization, that's basically the new co op, if you will. Uh, it's an organization where anybody and everybody can join forces, pull capital together, and make great things happen. One example I like to give is how it was used uh, during the war in Ukraine. Like within the first few days of the war in Ukraine, people got together, created the Ukraine DAO, and were able to pool resources in order to send humanitarian aid to Ukraine. Like that's the power and the 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 speed of these types of organizations, and they're not necessarily controlled by one person or, or one wallet. In this case, they're they're really much a community driven machine if you will uh, every every Dao has a different uh, mission uh, some DAOs have the main mission the, the, the same mission but work in different ways every Dao has its own uh, protocols its own ways of functioning its own uh, power uh, dynamics and it, it's it's really the, the new way to start a company if you will uh, I, I foresee in the near future that uh, we're going to be seeing some mega DAOs, if you will, control large sections of the the crypto space. Because it's it makes more sense, like if you're a, a newbie, if you will, you're, like you're you're new into this space and you don't necessarily know what to do with your capital, well, it makes more sense to put it in a pool filled with people who have more of an idea of what to do with your capital. I think these organizations make a lot of sense. There, there has been a lot of struggle in the beginning with DAOs. Like a bunch of them started, a lot of them were mismanaged, a lot of funds were lost. But some DAOs had like miraculous uh, returns, had uh, amazing uh, communities built around those DAOs, and so I think it's still a a work in progress. But I still foresee it being a very important tool within the whole Web3 ecosystem moving forward.
0: Yeah, that's it's pretty interesting to try to reform, you know, the financial transaction software or, uh, technology, because, you know, as a circus artist, I've traveled around the world and I get paid in a bunch of different currencies that being in Europe or in China or in India, you know, to convert that into Canada, there's always these transaction fees on top of that. And there's always a delay in the payment, you know, and, where do you think that that kind of technology is going to go in about 20 years for performing artists? You know, how do you think that this could benefit the performing artists who are traveling nonstop and working in different countries where they're getting paid in a different currency when they come home? They have to wait a certain amount of time or have to deal with the, the um, additional cost that comes with
1: well, I think it, it comes from uh, artists getting together and demanding to be paid in cryptocurrencies. I mean, if if a large amount, uh, a large enough amount of uh, artists, performers get together and ask to be paid in either Bitcoin, Ethereum or uh, any other type of cryptocurrency, uh, then you don't even have to... Do that you don't have to do the, your conversions yeah. uh, you can just keep all of your funds in, in crypto and once you want to uh, to transact within the real world then you can use either crypto related credit cards or uh, just transfer your bitcoin into canadian dollars uh, using one of our canadian wallets or canadian uh, market makers uh, we have like ShakePay, pay newton uh, CoinSquare uh, other our, our canadian coin bases if you will uh, Coinbase also, uh, they also have certain fees in order to to tra- transfer your Bitcoin into Canadian dollars, but they're usually like micro percentages, it's like nothing compared to what the bank is going to charge you to go from, uh, say, USD to CAD. Uh, so I think that that could be a, a pretty interesting revolution. I know uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, in French, who say the syndicat, but... Um, Uh, like not well, yeah, unions like there's a lot of artist unions, and there's a lot of uh, artist communities. And I know uh, in general, like in the performing arts industry, like there's a lot of uh, community activism. So, if if that was one of the ways or one of the things that you'd like to to create sort of a buzz around and uh, uh, have some activism around that, I mean, that would really level the playing field and would make everybody more equal if you will because now you're not like, if if you're going to china to do a performance and they're paying you the equivalent of uh, say 20 canadian dollars an hour but now because you're in china for some reason that 20 canadian dollars is now uh, 15 or 10 or or vice right <laughs> versa i know i'm <laughs> i think ridiculous numbers here but just just for an example well, instead of thinking of all these different currencies, then I could just say, no, I charge X amount of Bitcoin an hour, and that's it. Like, whatever, wherever I go in the world, that's my rate. And if, if everybody has the same rate in, in Bitcoin, then and everybody else around the world is able to buy a Bitcoin, then you can be paid in Bitcoin and just demand that. And if, if the whole community gets together and demands it, well, that's, that pretty much settles it.
0: Right. Well, so it, it almost sounds too good to be true right and as a person who doesn't have a lot of cryptocurrency at the moment and like speaking for people who have no idea about cryptocurrency and it sounds like well now i need to invest all my money into bitcoin how easy would it be to say transfer my money from cryptocurrency to a fiat currency in my home country and with that do you have to be worried about the volatility of the of the price of bitcoin say like it could change in a second right how can you manage that how can you keep a good state of mind when making these transactions making a commitment to cryptocurrency
1: sure and that that's a very valid point i mean not not everybody has the same risk tolerance uh so i for one like if if uh, in in my future job i I will be paid uh, percentage in well actually i'll be paid everything in cryptocurrencies and then it's up to me to decide how much of that i want to keep uh, within either ethereum or bitcoin and what percentage i need to transfer into canadian dollars in order to pay my bills uh so as soon as i receive the funds in my wallet uh, either in ethereum or, or bitcoin i can have it set up to where uh say 75 percent of the amount that i receive is automatically converted into canadian dollars or you can do it yourself like as soon as you get that that pop-up on your phone that says hey you just received x amount of bitcoin okay well then you go in your wallet and just transfer it to canadian dollars like it's really just that simple it's 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 very very simple much more simple than it used to be (laughs) that's
0: good to know and i feel like it's can do a little more diving into because even hearing about it, it, it still sounds too good to be true, but I feel like that's the direction where the world is going. And if that can create an easier and safer way of, of handling and receiving your money, then why not be open to that idea? And I think that's, what's important about this technology um, is just being open to these concepts and these ideas and letting te- technology be trustworthy.
1: Yeah, and before like going in and actually like becoming a crypto native and transacting in crypto and not like forgoing (laughs) fiat, uh, it's possible to just open a wallet, put uh, like $10 in it and do just basic transactions uh, like practice sending money uh, somewhere. It's like when when we first started using e-transfers in Canada uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Everybody was scared. It's like, oh, well, how do I know the money is getting there? Like, like, people didn't really know what was going on with e-transfers, and and now like it, it just seems stupid to like not know how to send money through an e-transfer. It's just it's just part of everyday life. Like, right? people who send and receive e-transfers all the time, and it's and right now uh, the cryptocurrencies have become as simple as sending and receiving an e-transfer. It's, I I'd say even more simple. <laughs> I don't need to put in an address and a name and get a verification code and this and that, I just enter my friend's wallet or the, the, the receiving uh, wallet's address and send. That's it, it's done.
0: Well, thank you for enlightening us with that because the way you break it down, it sounds approachable. It sounds applicable to a lot of our lifestyles and uh, it's something to do some research about and see that um, it is possible, that it works and that it is trustworthy. And uh, you've convinced me I'm going to go look more into it. And uh, I feel like it's just, it's, it's a intimidating technology, right? It's an intimidating concept or, or, or oh, sure. the thing to look at when you're for speaking sure. about funds and new currencies and digital currencies, you know, somebody you can't see.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure.
0: But nowadays, most of the money that we have is not in our hands. It's in our bank account. And it's just a number on a screen. Exactly. So, with one final thought, how can Web Three Montreal, your company, benefit the creators of tomorrow? What what do you see or foresee the vision and the mission going with this company, and how can it affect the performing artists?
1: Well, as I mentioned, our goal is really centered around education and and growing the community, and we we strive to teach as many people as possible. Be uh, best practices when it comes to Web3. So, in in our course, uh, we we have a two-hour course that we, we uh, built and that we uh, teach uh, with Le Wagon and soon with other companies that will have us. Uh, we teach uh, best practices, like we show you how to create your first wallet. We go through the steps, uh, from uh, from just signing up, uh, say on MetaMask, and then creating your wallet and saving your seed or your seed phrase and uh showing how to use the wallet and we really want people to be reassured when it comes to uh, to that so yeah the the best way that we can help right now is, is through education and then after that well once once we give uh, uh people their wings well then they need to apply <laughs> they need to, to use it and uh, do transactions and yeah, it's going to happen that people lose funds and people make mistakes and it, it happens. I mean, it's part of the learning process, but we want to try and reduce as much as possible the amount of mistakes that, that people make initially and that they can learn from our mistakes from our past years of experience.
0: I think it's an incredible initiative that you're doing and for you to try to break it down for people so that they can have the best opportunity to to thrive financially and uh, within their lives. I, I feel like that's what you're doing, and I think that's it's a, it's a, an incredible mission that you're on, my man.
1: Thanks, Thomas. Well, uh, uh, if, if ever uh, you or uh, the Seven Fingers or Circus Talk uh, want to have a, a more in depth uh, sort of educational, uh, either talk or podcast or in real life event for, for the artists here in Montreal. Uh, we're more than happy to to coordinate uh, on that. And we'd love to to help more people get into the space and learn about the space and uh, become uh, Web3 aficionados.
0: I think I will definitely take you up on that offer. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast, A Creative Space. And we look forward to see what Web3 Montreal has in store for the community. And uh, good luck on your next endeavors, my
1: man. Thank you, thank you. And uh, a last uh, shout out to the Montreal Web3 Conference. It's gonna be coming uh, from May 3rd to May 6th. Uh, There's gonna be about 3,000 people coming. There's gonna be about 80 different uh, sponsors represented. Uh, It's gonna be a huge event. It's gonna be an awesome place to come and learn about what's happening in the Web3 space, uh, what the next big things in the space uh, are gonna be. We're gonna have some very influential speakers. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be some interesting uh, side events as well. There's going to be the first uh, East Montreal hackathon around that as well. So it's going to be a a full crypto week here in Montreal. It's going to be the first of its kind here in in Montreal and Quebec. And I'm very, very happy to be able to work on this full time now.
0: Amazing. And for those listening, we will be sharing some of those resources for Web3 Montreal on our Circus Voices page if you want to go check it out and inquire about learning about this new technology and how it can benefit your life. Thank you so much, Jean-Luc. We'll talk soon.
1: Thanks, Thomas. Have a good day. Cheers.
0: Thank you so much to our second guest of the series, Mr. Jean-Luc Pellerin of Web3 Montreal. Please stay tuned for our next episode. We will be joined by our third guest of the series, Mr. Eric Bordelot of The Sphere. If you do not already have a Circus Talk profile, I invite you to create one to upgrade to pro and visit the arts and tech section for more development in this exciting space. If you are a talent, take advantage of the newest profile fields that make you stand out in talent searches. And if you're a talent seeker, do not miss out on accessing over 30,000 talent profiles from 193 countries. We have a special offer for Circus Voices listeners. Receive 15% off your annual membership by using the code CircusVoices2022. Please stay tuned for upcoming episodes here on A Creative Space, NFTs, Web3, and the Performing Arts. Only on Circus Voices presented by CircusTalk.com.